Welcome to Talking Friars. I am your host, Ralph Shockey. Joining me today is my co-host, Richard Scott. Rich, you're back on the pod after a week absence. You had to finish up that paper. How you doing? How's it feel to be back? Feels really good to be back, especially after having two amazing games this week. Uh, academically, I mean, it's been a little challenging, but, you know, got through it. These basketball games are definitely getting me back in the groove. Happy to be here with you, Ralph, to be discussing these uh, two games and then to uh, talk about the Miami game coming up tomorrow. So, yep, yep, that's right. We got a lot of cover. We got a lot to cover on this show today. It's probably and most likely going to be our longest show. So we're going to dive right into it. We're going to start with Stonehill. Uh, we saw the same starters, Bynum, Block, Carter, Hopkins, and Croswell. Uh, we'll start with the first half, obviously. You know, kind of my biggest concern this season has been the free throw shooting of the team, as we've mentioned in previous episodes. And we did relatively well in the first half. You know, we shot 61.5%, 8 of 13. That was good. It was good to see that. But other than that, um, what what I also saw was Clifton Moore, you know. and Moore. I think he's going to be our best big man. And so far, he's looked like he, that. He showed up when he needed to. When Croswell went out first half, I mean, like, that was scary. That was really scary. We need someone to come up to stand strong, and that was definitely Clifton Moore. He stepped up, got 15 points for us. He uh, gave us two steals and a block. Defensively looking really good. Offensively looking even better. Yeah. Just to add to that, Rich, he had nine points, four boards, two steals, and one block. And we may have a big that is consistently able to hit threes. That's something we didn't see with Nate Watson. And it's something we're starting to see here with Clifton Moore, which is very encouraging. Only in the second game this season. Yeah, definitely really encouraging to see there, Ralph. I mean, having like, like that worry of not having like that Nate Watson figure like this year really worries like a lot of us. And I think that, you know, with all these guys really stepping up, that this worry is sort of getting smaller. And it is, we go throughout the season so far, I mean, things are just looking good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, after Croswell went back to the locker room, I texted you, like, Croswell to the locker room and, like, oh, right. geez. And yeah. Clifton Moore needed to step up, and that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, within that, although we don't have many bigs and a lack of size on the team, he's looked like our best big man so far this season because of his versatility. It's the versatility with Clifton Moore with the points, the boards, and the steals. Right. And, I mean, even Croswell himself, he came back. He ended up the night, finishing the night off with eight points, three steals, and two blocks, which is really good, especially for not even being there for the full first half. Definitely, definitely. I just want to make a nugget here about Corey Floyd Jr., uh, the four-star shooting guard transfer from UConn. He made his first appearance in the game against Northeastern. We'll continue to monitor his role with the team as the season progresses. And another nugget or takeaway I kind of had was Hopkins continues to be fouled down low in the paint. You know, he's a resource and someone who we looked at as arguably our best player going into the season. To see him keep driving down to the lane and getting fouls, that's very encouraging. And with the 61.5% free throw shooting in the first half, it's just nice to see that he can get down there, get fouled, and do it at a very high rate. Right. I mean, might I add, uh, Bryce Hopkins himself got a double-double this game. He ended up with... Um, with 10 points and 11 rebounds. Yeah. So he did, a, he did a really good job, really good performance. It's so. good to see that from him. Good to see that from him. Yeah. Uh, the halftime score was Providence 38, Northeastern, Northeastern 36. Uh, you yeah, got so any more North, takeaways? Northeastern put up a fight in that first half. They did. I mean, like they were, they were sort of uh, giving us a run for our money in the, in the first half. But, 
I mean, as Ralph and I are probably going to talk about, the second half, we really went off. We really went off. It felt like we outscored Northeastern by 22 points, which is, yeah, really crazy. crazy. That's something we saw a lot last season, and now shifting to the second half, uh, the kind of first point I want to make is we shot even better from the line in, in the second half than the first half. Uh, in the second half, we finished 14 for 19, 73.7%. And what you just mentioned in the scoring runs, we had two of them. You know, we scored 13 unanswered points in a five-minute span to extend the lead double digits, 53 to 41. And then we completed a 20 to 3 run with 10 minutes to play, and that really closed out the game. Yeah, I think something that was really nerve-wracking in the second half was we mentioned how Northeastern was close to Providence. It was 38-36 at the halftime. They ended up actually taking the lead with 17 and a half left, and they actually were up by two. So we really outperformed them, as you were talking about with our scoring runs. But yeah, just a great, great performance in the second half. Offensively, defensively, players stepping up. Croswell ended up coming back. Great performance. Yeah, and I think within that performance was consistency. And that's something we were kind of worried about going into the game, like coming off a one-point win against Ryder was the consistency. Very scary. And at the end of the second half, we made 10 of our last 11 shots. We were consistent, Dead. and that was a big part of what uh, got the win for us. So Right. Uh, but we can't not talk about Jared Bynum's second half. Right. We cannot talk about Jared Bynum's second half. This was Jared Bynum's second half, and he really took the game over in the second half. He sure did. He sure did. Bynum's looking like that main guy. I know we're talking about Bryce Hopkins. We're talking about Clifton Moore. I think that this offense is going to be centered around Jared Bynum being that guy. He ended up with nine assists. Yep. Like, you need that leader. You need that leadership on your team to really produce something really good. And, and JB's looking like that guy, Ralph. Yeah, he completely took over. As you mentioned, he had nine assists, and he had a game-high 21 points. He was the latest yep. scorer. Yeah. And even Ed Cooley, Coach Cooley, after the game said, Jared became Superman in the second half. That's what first-team all Big East players do. They lead the right way. And, Rich, I, I don't think you could be more spot-on with the take that this offense need to set, needs to center around Jared Bynum's and his strengths. Right. No, I definitely agree with that. But, I mean, really, like, in, in all positions that we have, we have all the big guys, we got the leaders, we got whatever. We had four players getting double-digit points. That is key. That when, when you can have different positions producing such just great basketball, like it, it's unstoppable at that point. Yeah, I think what I'm most excited about so far through these three games has just been the versatility and the talent. Right, the talent, you definitely. Know, the versatility to score in multiple ways and to have six fryers, five fries, four fries, and double figures. It just, it's so exciting and it brings just so much joy to you after coming off a season where Nate Watson just had to be the guys, had to be the guy, excuse me. Right. And to just see multiple friars and double figures, it's just very satisfying and something you want to see with all the new talent now on this team. Right. I mean, yeah, as you were mentioning, like this season, like there's like this different like tempo to it. Whereas like last season, like when we were playing teams like UNH, Fairfield, Texas Tech last year, like we, we would start off like pretty slow, like really, really slow. And we would just have to fight it like to like the very, very end. I mean, this team... I mean, in Northeastern, it sort of looks like that, like, same, you know, tempo in, like, the first half. But, I mean, really, like, the talent really just overcame that, like, fear and doubt and, and slow offense in that first half and really just put on a great show. Yeah. I that's the that's the way I'll, 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 I'll uh, describe it. It was a great show, especially with that uh, alley-oop from uh, Jalen Pierre to, to Devin Carter. Yep. 
That was amazing. Awesome. That was the statement. That was the, that was the cherry on top. That was the icing on the sure cake was. for that win. Uh, the final score was Providence 89, Northeastern 65. Just a blowout, something you want to see in that game going up against an opponent like that in a much much needed blowout victory after a one point victory against Ryder. Right. Um, and and might I add the cherry on top too is having O'Hare and Fonts in the lineup at the very end. That's something that you, you, you only see like once in a while and you just gotta cherish it. Yeah. You gotta you gotta enjoy every second of that. So hundred percent, a hundred percent. I wanted the we want fonts chance. Oh I I, I started that. Yeah? I started that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was cool. That's pretty fun. That's yeah. pretty fun. And uh, sure enough, sure enough he, he made he came it. In. He yep. came in. Um, I just have some other overall game takeaways here. Uh, you know, we're getting points and scoring in a versatile number of ways. You mentioned that. In this game specifically, four Friars finished in double figures. Bynum with 21, Moore with 15, Locke with 13, Hopkins with 10. Um, and we can win without Hopkins being Superman. And I think we that's can. what we saw with Jared Bynum having a 21-point and 9-assist performance. Something we didn't really see last year with Watson, as we mentioned, as he, like when he had off games. And it's happening because of the amount of talent we have and inherited from transfers and recruits. That's been a big point and a big part of the season so far. And we're out-rebounding. We out-rebounded Northeastern by eight. Our largest lead of the game was 24. And it was just, it was a much-needed win. Um, it sure was. It Especially was, after that Ryder game. Yeah. That nail-biter. It was yeah. close at halftime, but we showed again that we're, we're, we're a second-half team. And that's we okay are. as long as you blow out the other team in the second half. And right. that's exactly what we did versus Northeastern. As long as you, as long as you show that you, you have the potential to be that like big, like you know top 25 team. I think that's all that matters. So, hundred percent, hundred. Yeah, and actually, speak, speaking of that, Villanova, Villanova yeah, with the loss. We can to touch Temple. on that. We can touch on. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Villanova with the loss to Temple, getting kicked out of the top twenty-five. That might be pretty. That's good pretty for crucial us. for us. That's good for us. Them and uh, UConn enter the top twenty-five this week. So UConn with Sunogo, their their team's looking pretty scary. But yeah, UConn is definitely good. UConn is definitely UConn, a team. Creighton, and we'll we'll see about Villanova. Yeah. But. Well. I'm not as worried as Villanova as I have been in years past just because right. they didn't have Jay Wright and Gillespie. But right. I think no, I Creighton agree. is going to win the conference. They just look like a powerhouse. And I'm very worried about UConn, like with the ability to right. match their bigs and them coming off, I believe, a top five recruiting class. Like, you know, we can put Clifton Moore on Sonogo, but I just don't know how effective that's really going to be going up against all their bigs and our lack of size. I mean, time will tell, though. Time will, Time tell. will tell. Can't, can't wait into these uh, conference games. But, yeah. But I got to say, these uh, non-conference games have been a spectacle so far. Yeah. So. yeah, they've been fun. They've been fun. And from one non-conference game to the other, now we'll shift Stonehill. to the Stonehill recap. Uh, we saw the same starters here in Bynum, Locke, Carter, Hopkins, and Croswell. And going into it, it was a game I expected to win. Uh, I had no stress, anxiety, or nerves during the game itself. It was, it was a very chill game, and frankly, a game I just sat in my seats and watched the whole way start to finish without without a doubt. Right. I think ESPN had us at 99% winning that game. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 99.5 or something. Yeah, like probably that. even higher, yeah. Something like but. that. Um, we won, so that's what you yep. look for, obviously. We, we were up by 11 at halftime, 47-36. Hopkins had 11 points and eight boards. Carter had nine points and four boards as well. And then just going to the end of the game – uh, Providence 100, Stonehill 76, another blowout victory, which, which is what you look for against that team. 
Uh, Croswell, Hopkins, and Moore all had 16 points each. Going back to Friars, scoring in double digits, something you love to see. I love to see that. Locke and Carter finished with 14 points each. Pierre with 10. In total, six Friars scored in double figures. And that's something you haven't seen since February 2020. That's huge. Yep. That's huge. Um, and it goes back to just scoring in versatile amount of ways, the talent, and selfless basketball being played. Yep. That has been a big part of the season and something that, Rich, you and I are just very happy to see. Super happy to see. Excited for this for the season, Ralph. Yeah, it's been it's been great so far. Um, I do have a concern of from the Stonehill game though, and that's that we allowed Stonehill to hit ten three pointers. Yeah. Thirty points of their seventy six. That's a good portion of it. Something we can't let happen versus Miami. Right. No agreed. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I got some other game takeaways here just briefly. Um, you know, you saw two plays that Jaden Pierre made, and he has a knack and eye for turnovers. You saw the two interceptions that he had on back-to-back possessions and just and one specifically like electric dunk that he had. Like he's got hops, he slammed it down. Jaden Pierre is probably the the most like exciting player and most fun player to watch on this team for me. Definitely. He's just got so much juice and energy and leadership. He's just, I just love watching him, and whenever he makes those plays, it just makes me want to jump out of my seat. So it was good to see him have that. We ended the game on an 8-0 run, something you like, like to see, like to look for mm-hmm. against a, like an opponent versus Stonehill. We finished 18 of 21, 85.7% from the line. Huge. That is huge. huge. Free throws win the games. Yeah. Free throws was like the things that are setting us back, but... I mean that that number is really good yeah. there, Ralph. It's just comfortable. It's it's a it relief. Is. It's comfortability. It's something we need to make sure that we make the most out of versus Miami. And every player that got into the game scored, which is huge. It just goes back to versatility, scoring a versatility amount of ways, getting everyone involved. That's how you play team basketball. That's it how is. you win as a team. We out out rebounded Stonehill by twenty one. Going back to our bigs, they had big game, or big games on the on the glass. No pun intended. And we outscored Stonehill twenty three to three on second chance points. Um, just overall great game. Great game from start to finish. Wish I was there. Yeah, wow. it was. It was. It was dead. It was dead. Right. You didn't really miss much in but the student section. Triple digits is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty cool. That's a sight yeah. to see there. So that was another great win for the Friars, and I guess now we'll shift into the Miami preview, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, we play Miami tomorrow at four o'clock at Mohegan Sun in Uncastville CT at the Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, for those of you watching at home, it'll be on ESPN Plus. And I kind of just made some notes here of what to watch for. Um, it would obviously be a big win over a team that just appeared in the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. They went on a Cinderella run, so to speak. They did. And it would just it would just be a big statement win game coming off a team that just got there and kind of heading into conference play. It would say a lot, and arguably it might get us in the top twenty five, but we'll see. Right. I mean, look looking into this game, Friars are averaging eighty five points per game, and the uh, and and Miami's uh, averaging seventy eight points per game. So I mean, pretty even, but you know, sort of like you know, leaning towards the Friars on the points so far. I mean. I I haven't seen who, who like Miami played, but and like how their defenses are, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Ed Cooley came out with a quote for the game, and he said, "We'll be ready. If we're yeah. not, I'm not getting on the bus. I don't know if we'll win or <laughs> win or if we'll lose, but we'll be ready." 
someone obviously that we trust and we'll know that he'll have the players ready but I'm just excited you know it reminds me of that Virginia game last year which we lost but I think long term it was a long-term building block going up against one of the best head coaches in college basketball Virginia's head coach and just where it led us the season it was a big like experience loss that paid dividends down the road for the team and that's something i think that can happen happen with miami here win or lose it's just great experience to have before conference play started and you start to go up against the creightons the yukons and the villanovas yeah where the wins or where the losses matter more i mean win or lose against miami is going to be a huge learning like step for us if we lose we'll we'll take everything out of it and we'll make sure that we'll make the most of the next game the game after that and to sort of like recap and like reevaluate our skills to to fix what we could have done in Miami to just capitalize on every single opportunity that we have from now on yeah all in all it's just going to be a learning experience no matter what um I wouldn't say that going into the game that I expect to win but it's just going to be a learning experience and something that's going to be valuable for us either way down the road and for the rest of the season right so yeah should be a great game though yeah looking forward to it Ralph yeah I got some other notes here Let's hear. Uh, actually, a lot of notes, yeah. quite frankly. Uh, we got to limit Miami's Omir after he scored 21 points in Miami's 87-61 win over Florida A&M. Um, Hopkins, Moore, and Locke must have big games and continue scoring in double figures. Miami has two transfers in their own, and Nortred Omir from Arkansas State and Nigel Pack from Kansas State. Um, they're returning starters in Wong, Jordan Miller, Wuga uh, Poplar, or I think I butchered that, but yeah. uh, <laughs> Miller's their leading scorer with 15.7 points per game after scoring 19 points in Miami's 87-61 win over Florida A&M in their last outing. And they're coming off of wins versus Lafayette, 67-51, and UNC Greensboro, 79-65. So they're also undefeated. Uh, we're trying to obviously end their three-game winning streak. And I think that just opens the door to the keys to victory. Um, we got to limit Omir and Miller. Keep playing complimentary, selfless, and versatile basketball. That's a huge key. We need multiple friars to be in multiple figures. Limit turnovers. Capitalize on free throws. That's going to be a big emphasis after getting fouled. Especially Hopkins. Ooh, excuse me. Hopkins, when he drives down, down to the lane, he's got to make his free throws. And it would just be a great experience win or loss before a conference play begins. Definitely. So that, that's all I got. Um, you got any more for Man, today's show? Or it, yeah. That's it. So Go Friars. Yeah. I think it's, we're just, I'm just pumped for tomorrow's game. You know, it, yeah. it kind of gives you it's like a, that. It's, an, it's in our backyard, Connecticut. Yeah. So, I mean, Mohegan Sun, that'll be, it is. be a that's great right. game. Hopefully the Friar faithful show out and be loud. But just it kind of reminds me of like a preview to March Madness in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that like. That out-of-conference team, Miami coming off an Elite Eight, Providence coming off a Sweet 16. Granted, they're very two different teams with transfers and players and coaches. Actually, I found out today that Jim Laranega actually went to PC. Really? Yeah, which is really cool. Yep. But it's just a game that we're both really excited about, obviously, and it's just a learning game. You know, no matter if we win or if we lose, if we win, great. It will probably get us in the top 25 Hopefully, if we lose... in consideration, yeah. Yeah, and if we lose, that's okay, too. You know, it'll be a good, like, moral loss for us because of the team Miami is. But it's just a game that we're both looking forward to. So, with that, uh, do you have any more thoughts? I think that's it. So, Friar Faithful, enjoy the game tomorrow at 4 p.m. 
again at, and at uh, at four on ESPN Plus on TV. If not, it's going to be at the Mohegan Sun Arena. And I don't know when we'll be back next because yeah. we got Thanksgiving next week. We do. Right? That's something we'll figure out between Rich and I. But without figure out the next show that, too. That, uh, being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking Friars and enjoy the game tomorrow and go Friars. Go Friars.